Welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. So we are going to read from Romans 15, and you're going to actually hear from Lauren Sanford. She's going to read the scripture passage today. And as you hear the passage, you're going to hear in the first line kind of a summary of the last couple of weeks. We've been walking through the last couple of weeks, this church in Rome where there's there's groups not meeting together. One group is exercising all these freedoms when it comes to food and, and celebrating sacred days and they are doing things that another group thinks is a little cavalier. It's not really sticking to the true faithfulness, commitment, and discipline of the faith. Well, Paul lifts up this group and says, you know, you're exercising your freedoms in Christ, and you're right. But you shouldn't look down on those who aren't. And, and you all, who you don't quite understand what they're doing yet, you shouldn't judge them. That it's God who we answer to, and it's for God that we do all the things that we do. So whether we are exercising freedoms or whether we are, are more strict in our faith, we do it out of devotion to God. So God has the say. And so Paul sums up in the first line today what we've been talking about, and then he launches into the reason why, why we are to do this. And so I invite you to hear what Paul has to say as we read from Chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. We who are powerful need to be patient with the weakness of those who don't have power and not please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good in order to build them up. Christ didn't please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insulted you fell on me. Whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we could have hope through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures. May the God of endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude toward each other, similar to Christ Jesus' attitude. That way you can glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ together with one voice. I want to tell a story, a personal story, that I think gives a good image. It helps me. I reflect on it often, and it goes all the way back to 2009. I was a youth director at a church, a United Methodist Church, and I was going to take my group on our first international mission trip. Now, I had been on a handful myself or had, had traveled a few different places, but this was the first time I was going to be taking high schoolers and their parents. And so there was a little extra pressure. And so I decided and and was given the opportunity to go uh, five months before the trip to go down and scout out the site. Some of you may know the name Tom Heaton. He works at the conference. He started Mission Guatemala. And before Mission Guatemala came to be, Tom was down in Guatemala and was going to receive our group. And we were going to test out 
a, an international youth mission trip together, and neither of us had done that. So I went and met with Tom in Guatemala. That was hairy enough. If you've never traveled internationally alone, that was kind of scary. But I got to be with Tom, and anywhere you travel in Guatemala, it just takes a lot longer than it does here. Going to Panajachel, you know, in our, in our way, it might take two hours, maybe three, to travel to Panajachel on our streets. But in Guatemala, it takes all day. And the streets aren't necessarily paved. Um, you just never know what you're going to run into when you get out of the city, out of Guatemala City. And so the next day, Tom was gonna drive me to the area where we were gonna build a clinic. And so this was a ways away from Panajachel. Again, maybe, maybe take an hour on our roads. It was gonna take us about three on theirs. And so we set out in the, the morning. We went, we met the people that we were going to be working with. He introduced me to the person that ran the church that was working alongside of us. The, the uh, clinic was being built next to the church and got to take pictures and see the different sites. Uh, and then we were gonna head home. We got caught up in a few different things that day and, and we got a later start than we wanted to to come home. So suddenly it was dark or the sun was going down as we set off on our three hour trip and a heavy fog rolled in because oftentimes when you're up that high, the clouds roll in um, and it, it was, you couldn't see but three or four feet in front of your face. And so you imagine sitting in a car and trying to see when you can only see three or four feet in front of your face, and you know that your headlights only make it worse, right? So imagine trying to drive with no headlights in a thick fog, and then imagine that it's in Guatemala where they don't have lines on the roads. There's no white lines to tell you you're near the edge. There's no yellow line to tell you you're crossing over into oncoming traffic. There are no shoulders. Oftentimes the road had no guard railings and it was just a steep uh, cliff or ravine off to the right. And here we couldn't see past the hood of the car. You don't wanna stay somewhere that you hadn't planned to stay in an area that we were there to visit. And so to get back, Tom had me roll down the window and look next to the car to tell him if we were getting too far away from the edge of the road or getting too far to the edge of the road or, God forbid, over the edge of the road. I prayed a lot on that trip and uh, my eyes were glued to the road beside me. We couldn't look ahead. At one point, it cleared up a little bit as we got closer, about two and a half hours into the trip, and we even saw a sign uh, as we were wondering you know, where we were. We saw a sign and, and it had some language on it. I asked him what it said and, and he wouldn't tell me what it said until we got back and then he told me it said something about it's uh, the way of the thief. You know, it was a warning, don't go, to, don't go that way. And it was quite the trip, I'll never forget it. And I can kind of feel like we're in the situation now. In that car, if we veer too far off the road, we could get stuck. We could be in danger. Uh, we might find ourselves broken down and stranded, and that would not be a good thing. Today, we're kind of all trying to walk this path amidst a lot of divisiveness around us. I mean, we can talk about COVID and who thinks it's real and who doesn't. And who wants to wear masks and who won't wear masks and, and all the politics that goes behind it. And then we just have politics themselves in an election year, that's divisive. Then we have 
race being discussed everywhere we look. We turn on the television, we open the newspaper, uh, we go down to the city. There are people protesting for equality. It, it's a much needed protest and it should have been, the voice should have been heard long before it got to this point, but here we are. And then you have the very, very tiny, small pocket of people who aren't there to protest for the sake of peace and equality, but are there to cause trouble. And so this very, very tiny fraction of a group by groups on the outside, those who want to be against the protest focus on that little group. Those who support the protest just, you know, were annoyed by it, but that's, that's a small bit of the story. That causes divisiveness. And then we're in the church, the United Methodist Church, where we've been in the thick of a discussion on human sexuality for a long time now, and it's not going to be over soon. And so that's divisive. That has made it impossible for some people to stay in the room and worship next to their sisters and brothers. Race. I mean, Martin Luther King said it long ago, and it's still true today, that Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in our country. It's true here, isn't it? So it can feel like, as the church, we're trying to find our way forward as God would lead us, but there's a darkness and a fog that has made it really hard to know if we're headed in the right direction, if we're in danger of veering off course, and we need help. Paul addresses the church of his day that's in the same situation. And he's spent time, and we spent time the last couple weeks telling these groups, yes, you have the right to eat whatever you want, but that doesn't make it good. You actually have a responsibility to your neighbor. That is more important, the responsibility more than you exercising your rights. That's a tough message for us to hear in our culture. Now, the whole point that Paul's trying to make is that the whole story from the beginning was all leading to us all being united as a human race before God. That's where it's all headed. Every knee shall bow, every tongue will give praise to God one day. And we are to act on behalf of our neighbors for their good in the meantime until that day comes. That means that our neighbors, whether they're in the church, whether they're on your street, whether they are in the nation, whether they look like you or they don't look like you, whether they think like you or they don't think like you, we as God's people know that all humanity are neighbors, sisters and brothers, children of God. We know this truth. Not everyone knows this truth. We do. We have a great power and strength because we know it. And so, we may have the right to do as we please and to just let people venture on their way and, and we don't care. We may have the right to just look after ourselves, but we have the responsibility to be much more. We have a responsibility to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, not the church, the world. And so Paul is reminding the church in Rome of their story that, that goes back into the past, and we need to hear it too. And so if you remember that he pointed back to Abraham near the beginning of the letter, and if you don't, just go back to chapter 4 and, and read. He says, look, the whole story started with Abraham, Abraham and Sarah, right? This, this amazing couple 
that God called and said, promised them, through you, I'm going to bring blessing to the whole world. Through you, through your family, I'm going to bring blessing to the whole world. Now, they didn't have a family. They didn't have any kids. They were older. God said, you're going to have a son, and that's going to be proof to you of my promise of the blessing for the whole world. And before Sarah was pregnant, Abraham and Sarah believed. They believed God's promise. How incredible is that? No evidence, but yet they believed. And it says in Genesis that it was credited to them as faith. And then Paul reminds the church and reminds us that we are to have that same faith. That we've been given the promise that one day everyone will be united, will be one, will be together. And we can look all around and, and say there's plenty of evidence to the contrary. But we as the people of God are called to have faith. To know that God's promise will come true. Now, we've already seen the proof. As Paul points out, the resurrection of Jesus proves that the redemption of the whole world of Jews and Gentiles is all happening. It's begun and it will be completed. And so in the meantime, we are to live into that hope with faith so that everything we do is saturated with grace toward our neighbor who doesn't know so that we can work on their behalf to build them up. Not to tell them how wrong they are, but to tell them the truth of who they really are. And I, it can be hard to distinguish that. Sometimes we can think we're on the path, right? We can think we are and have good intention, but we need to check and make sure that we're still on the way, we're still on the road. And Paul, in the passage today, lifts up that the path runs through Jesus. Actually, the path is Jesus. As the gospel writer that we call John says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The road itself is Jesus. So as we try to live in the midst of our world with the heavy fog and darkness of division around us, with ego and pride and all these things that are reckless happening in our community, in our home, maybe even in our own hearts, it is our responsibility to look and make sure that we are on the path of Jesus Christ. Paul points out in the passage today that Christ did not exercise his rights, that Christ embraced his responsibility for us, that Christ put us first for the sake of building us up, doing what is loving for us, giving of himself for us. And now it is our turn to do that for our neighbors. So we've gained this wisdom and the strength of the truth of knowing that this is our faith. This is what God is doing and accomplishing. But not everyone knows that. So we show them through love, through self-sacrifice, through not pleasing ourselves. We show them. That's what we're supposed to do. And we have the Holy Spirit who navigates us, who, who may have to look down at the road right at our feet and say, yeah, you're getting a little too close to the edge. And I know that sounds like, well, how does the Holy Spirit actually do that? Well, we look at Scripture. Paul says that Scripture is here to teach us, to encourage us, to keep us on the path. So we read Scripture, but we read it in our Methodist tradition. We have Scripture that, that reveals our faith. And then we have tradition which illumines the faith. We, we aren't operating in a vacuum on our own. We've got 2,000 years of people practicing this faith, which we can learn from to help us stay on that path. 
And then we have the Holy Spirit who works in the moment because not everything's spelled out in Scripture that we deal with. Whether to wear a mask or not, pretty sure that's not anywhere in Scripture. And so sometimes when we can't see too far ahead of ourselves, sometimes we just got to look down at right where we are. And what that means is we just do the next thing right. And we pray, we read scripture, we have conversation with our church brothers and sisters about what it is we're dealing with right now. And we operate in a way that is Christ-like, giving of ourselves, reflecting the fruit of the Spirit in love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If what you're wanting to do doesn't look like this, then maybe you're venturing off the road. We have these ways to keep us on track if we just but use them, have faith in them, accept them, embrace them, submit to them. And so Paul, Paul wants us to all believe in this promise of where it's all headed because if we know where we're going and we know where we've come from, we already know the direction of which we are to head. Jesus has blazed that path for us and we are to follow so even despite difference, Paul is calling the church of his day to be one, even though they don't all agree. The nerve, the nerve of Paul. <laughs> Paul speaks to us. We might not all agree. I know we don't, but we can still be one. We can still be one. That we can come together in true unity. That we can all have our strong opinions about the practice of our faith. We can have strong theological perspective about different things that we're discussing today. We can have difference and still be one because we believe that's where it's headed. And if we believe it, then we live into it now in every opportunity. That even when the church, even when we struggle to come together, to even worship together, still we can be one because we have the Holy Spirit bringing us together. You can't conquer the Holy Spirit. Now, the strength we are given by the Spirit is given to us for the purpose of building our neighbor up. And when we commit to that, when we come together now, what we're doing is getting a foretaste of what's to come, a very real foretaste of what's to come for the whole world. You can taste it now. God has set the path through Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit helps us navigate and leads us along that path through the hope of the promise to come. That we can stay on course and not veer off the road into the way of divisiveness, into chaos, into bigotry and pride and ego and hatred and fear, which I really think is at the core of all those things. If we place our sole faith in our triune God, if we trust in Jesus Christ as the way, if we listen and let the Holy Spirit guide us in each step, even amidst the darkness, we know we will get where God has already said we will all get. We'll make it through these dark times. We will get through the fog and we will do it together. 
with so much love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that when the community around us looks at us, they're not going to see the divisiveness that they have been seeing. They're not going to see what looks like the rest of the world. They're going to see the fruit of the Spirit in such a way that they're going to see the glory of God in us and through us. And they are going to want to be a part of that too because people recognize goodness when they see it. That is the goal. That is the promise. Are you ready? Are you ready now? Then my friends, go with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Follow the way of Jesus Christ and experience that foretaste now. Enjoy as we embrace the hope of the joy to come. Amen. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.